Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 35 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and we are back. And a lot has happened since we were here last. We're going to talk about a lot of the events, especially the stuff that's fantasy relevant with this trade deadline and a lot of call-ups. With me tonight is Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you been? Doing good, man. You see uh, see who got promoted today? I guess I haven't. I remember seeing Barry Baker getting excited about a call-up, but what, I don't think that's who you're talking about. Who are you no. talking about? Christian Robinson. Who, who, where did he get promoted? To low, uh, to low A, yep. Wow. Going to see him tomorrow. Are you really? Yep. <laughs> you're not messing around. Nope. Probably for I the was, best because he may be in double A next week. Uh, it's a great day, man. I'm so pumped. Wow. I, I was. Uh, I actually think I might. I might go tomorrow and Thursday, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to go tomorrow as long as the weather is uh, is good and everything, which it looks like it should be. So, yeah, that is exciting. How far is that away again? An hour About and a half. Hour to hour and a half. Yeah, that's close. Man, yeah, that's, I that's fun. I heard it this afternoon. Jeremy actually said something in the RM2 chat, and I immediately looked at the schedule for tomorrow because I didn't know if they were at home, you know. And they are, so man, I'll be there. Well, and he's act- he's actually not in the lineup tonight, but he's there. I saw on Twitter that he was there and in uniform, but not in the lineup. So he'll be in okay. the lineup tomorrow, pretty sure. You have an assignment. Bring two baseballs with you tomorrow, <laughs> not one. Two baseballs tomorrow. <laughs> no, you know what? You really should start. I don't. I don't know if they do this in the low minors, like low A, but I know in like double A, they'll have bobblehead nights. I want. Do they do that in low A? Uh, I haven't really been to one where there was. They actually had at one of the games that I went to, it was like Anchorman night or something <laughs> where it was like a Anchorman bobblehead, but I didn't get it. I wasn't there soon enough. Like Ron I, Burgundy Anchorman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, something goofy like that. But And I was gonna, I was trying to get there, but I like got stuck in traffic and didn't make it. But I mean, I made it to the game, one. but not, yeah, not in time. But I haven't seen any like player bobblehead ones. I I think they do it though. I'm pretty sure they do it. I'd imagine they would because it's such yeah. a nice way to get people into the park. Have you? Yeah. So have you ever gotten a bobblehead at a game before? Then no. So I'll tell you my experiences. Whenever I get to the, I go the Springfield Cardinals are in really close to me and i go to a lot of their games on bobblehead nights usually in april i'll write down all their bobbleheads i'll find their promotion and make sure that i have them all in my calendar and i get a notification about a week before so i got time to prepare to remember to try to get there i take this seriously wow Wow. oh my and when you get there on bobblehead night the gates open at 6 10 and when you get there at 5 15 5 30 the gates are just flooded everywhere it's insane how full they are yeah. as yeah. compared to any other night. You just walk right in. Right. It's pretty funny. And yeah, the, I remember the first time I went to a game where I 
this was before the bobbleheads. It was the year after the Cardinals won the World Series in 2011. They had 20 in 20, 2012. They had championship ring night, and I showed up right before the gates were about to open. And I real and as I'm walking up, I'm like, oh, we'll get my friends with me. Like, are you sure we're going to get a ring? I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. I start walking up, and I realize that the line is around the corner so far that I can't even see the end of it. I'm like, uh oh, oh, jeez. But I saw one of my buddies in line, and I shook his hand, and he grabbed me and said, get in line. And I, he said, get in line right here with me. So I, and I, I pulled me in, and I basically got in line, and I heard everybody behind me groaning. And I never once looked over my shoulder or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I have a ring. And nice. my wife gave me quite a bit of grief for that whenever she heard the story. So <laughs> you took that from a little kid. And you know what? She's probably right, but it's funny. Anyways, long story. Got a couple things in there and yes, bring two baseballs. But tonight we're covering the news. There's a lot to go over and we should probably get started on this. You ready to go, Andrew? Yep, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to get started off with some closer carousel stuff. And talk about Jose LeClerc first. He's been given this closer role back with Sean Kelly hurt and Chris Martin being traded away. And on Friday night, he got what was used to be known or probably still known going back to the fantasy focus days with ESPN as the Dirty Fuentes. Two runs in an inning, but with the save. So, Andrew, LeClerc struggled to hold the role all year, despite the fact that the Rangers really seemed to want him to keep this role. Do you think he can manage to hold it down the rest of the way? Yeah, I think he'll manage it. Yeah, I think he'll um I think he'll close the rest of the season. They're they're not very good. I mean, he's the best pitcher in their bullpen, so I would uh definitely expect him to. What if he continues struggling and Sean Kelly returns? I don't even know what Sean Kelly's injury status is, but I'm not I'm not sure either. Let's say he's I mean, back any, in like three weeks. Can, anything can happen. I mean, it's it's uh, predicting who's going to pitch the ninth with a team like that. It's it's so fluid. It's constantly evolving. But I I just think that he's in the role now. They're kind of settling in as a non-playoff team, which we all expected anyways. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just I think he'll probably Leclerc will probably be all right the rest of the year as the closer, but. It's, nothing's a lock. Yeah. Kelly was pretty good when he had that role, but on the same note, he's also a veteran who has been more of a setup guy most of his career. You know? Yeah. We'll see. All right, we'll move on to Colorado. And after giving up two home runs and five runs on Wednesday in a scoreless tie in the ninth inning, I think it was against the Dodgers, Wade Davis has finally been removed as closer of the Rockies. And Scott Oberg is in, and he's been pretty solid all season. He got his first save on Friday night, allowed two singles, but got the held down the save in a one-run game. The Rockies are sounding like they hope Wade Davis eventually reclaims this job this year. But the question is, does he? What do you think? Possibly. Um, I, I tell you what, he, he has been terrible. Like, 
I've watched a lot of Wade Davis the last year to year and a half because I've had him in a couple dynasty leagues and I am so I've only got him in one now but I'm so glad I can just drop him I just don't I'm done like I'm just so done but I I don't I um I feel like he could get it back at some point it's just waiting for that is kind of like whatever as bad as he's been it's just he's just been so bad I I feel like if you haven't paid close attention it reminds me a lot I know I mentioned to you this before but like Cody Allen last year went through a lot of the same stuff and I I feel that it's, it's very similar it's just been really terrible what's annoying about him I really hadn't followed him close. I knew he had struggled. And then you traded him to me in Rotomasters too. I think we talked about that trade a couple of weeks ago. And fortunately, Scott Oberg was out there at the time when I picked up Davis. So because I'm not competing and felt like I going to just lock down this closer role, hopefully for next year, I picked up Oberg. So I think I'm happy about this. But moving back to Davis, the annoying thing, since I've grabbed him and watched him the last month or so, he seems to throw about three or four scoreless innings and games in a row and then just has an absolute epic blow-up. And that's the yeah. way it's been for the last month or two. And I kind of think that he might get this job back because of that. He might go three or four clean outings in a row and they decide, ah, oh, let's give him one more shot. Maybe he gets a save or two and then has the blow-up. Well, I don't know for sure. I think Oberg's a better pitcher. I think both of us uh, would agree on that. Definitely. So let me ask it you just, this. It depends on what they base it on. I mean, are they basing it on Wade Davis getting back on track for a few outings? Or, like, if Oberg is good in the role, is he not going to leave the role? I mean, there's two different moving parts to it. I don't know. I mean, Wade's the one making the money. So that's, that's why I always kind of side with that when it comes to just pure saves. But... He, that said, I mean, he's clearly not the better pitcher of the two. That's for sure. Let me ask you this question. Beginning of 2020, who is the Rockies' closer? Wade Davis, Scott Oberg, someone else that's on the, Rocky, on the Rockies' team right now, or someone else that's not currently on the Rockies? Which would you say is most likely? Obviously, we're guessing here. My best guess would be Wade Davis. Okay. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it has nothing to do with, like I said, I, I don't think he's very It's money. Good. It's money, yeah. It really is. That's all it is. And that might not be enough as bad as he's been. Yeah. I think, I think Oberg's been good enough. Man, a one-and-a-half ERA pitching in Colorado. And yeah. the, he's got an XFIP of 383, so he's been really lucky with that. I'm not endorsing him as the new closer of the, for the next few years for the Rockies, but I think Oberg's start. I'm, I'm leaning Oberg on this, but knowing the Rockies, they'll yeah. probably sign Fernando Rodney and put him in the role next <laughs> <year>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, Greg Holland, moving on to the Diamondbacks. He's been removed from the closer's role. He allowed 10 runs on 12 hits and 11 walks over 12 and two-thirds innings since June 10th. And it does look like Yoan Lopez, he got the first shot at his save on July 24th. 
it looks like he may be the guy with the job. We really don't know yet. We, I, I, have you followed this situation close or in terms of with this? Not real close. I do have uh, Yoan Lopez stashed on one dynasty team, but it's a team I'm not competing. I was just hoping that he would have the gig next year. Ah. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him, but um, I don't know. I'm curious to see. I know Archie Bradley's been really good the last month or so, so I don't know what they're gonna. I don't know what they're gonna do. I have Lopez on a draft and hold league, and I did take him in that startup dynasty, the baseball three sixty five dynasty in February, but I I had to cut him due to roster um, problems. The weird thing about him, I was we were talking about this before the show, and now I don't have. Oh yeah, I do have him right here. 43 innings and only 31 strikeouts. That's not something you want to see out of a reliever pitching late in the game. Hopefully, he's young. He can hopefully get better at missing bats. That does happen. But I don't feel great about any of the options that we're mentioning here. No, me either. All right. Well, with the trade of Eric Sogard, that's not one we're going to be breaking down in depth in the trading part of this whenever we get to the tr- all the trades from the tr- this week. But the big news from that was Bo Bichette was called up, and he's been off to a hot start. He's hitting around, f- as of Friday night when I made these notes, he was hitting 409 with a 480 on base, and he hit a home run here in his first week. And on his first game, I think it was Monday, he hit in the sixth hole, and then ever since, he's been hitting leadoff. My question is, Andrew... If Bo is a free agent in a redraft league, is he a guy that you're spending all of your remaining fab on? Is this at the point where you're just blowing whatever it is you got? Blow it. It's fun. So it's funny you say this. I am in my um, in my online championship league, twelve team redraft. He was available, and the thing with NFBC, I think I've mentioned this before, but. If a guy isn't called up, you can't pick him up until he plays, if he wasn't drafted. So they announced Bo was getting the call on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't going to play until Monday. So how's that so, work? Well, if he doesn't play, then it's the following Sunday is when he goes up for bid after he's been in the, you know, for like a week. But in this particular league, he had been drafted and dropped. Oh. So he so he was available to be bid on. Nobody like no he just nobody had I think somebody picked him up and dropped him or whatever, you know. But if you're originally drafted in the draft, you're available the whole season. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, at the beginning of the year. That's what that's what I'm saying. So if you're drafted, you know draft day in March or whatever, if you're picked and then dropped, anyone else can pick that player up the whole year. So that's what happened with Bo. Well, I noticed it on Sunday night, like right before fab. And I had about two ninety five left. And I bid I'm in second. Well, now I'm in first, but there's a couple teams kind of near the top. And I had more fab than them. So I bid to block them out. I bid 173 and I got him. 
out of about oh. two nine about two ninety five. So, and to be clear on that team, I do not need shortstop and I do not need offense, and I did it anyways. And you can't trade him, right? And I can't trade him. <laughs> but I'm playing him now over like Jorge Polanco and Dansby Swanson, basically. Oh, that's that's an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I view it as an upgrade. I mean. I Those guys, you know, they've been good, but I just, I just think Bo's better, you know. Agreed. I have Correa on that team too, so I just, I don't even need, like I said, I didn't even really need Bo, and I still bid that because we're getting to the point in the year where there's nobody else that, I mean, I guess if they called up Adele or Robert in the next week or two, I'd change my tune, but I'm not convinced that's going to happen. So it was like now or never time with the big bid on a, I like that, and I just figured, why not? I got him. So nice. Uh, so, yeah. do you think you said you got him for one eighty three, one seventy, one seventy three, one seventy three? Yeah. How? Like you know, when you get to the bottom of the standings, those guys may not even be paying attention and noticing that they could have bid on him. Right. Do you think? Do, do you think that there was anybody who put in a bid on him? besides the two guys above you in the standings that maybe would have been, just wasn't enough. I know. Are, are uh, you able to see other bids? You're be able to see the second high. The second highest bid was 51. Okay. Was that one of the guys ahead of you or somebody? It else? doesn't, it doesn't say. Okay. And I didn't, and I know that's like an extra 120. I didn't even care. No, I just, no, no. Yeah. I just was like, whatever I got, Bo. I, I didn't care. It was, a, it was a lot, but I mean, it's, it's easy to get cheap replacement value guys, you know, so I didn't really care. It was fun. I got to see Bo play on Tuesday night in Kansas City. I think I mentioned that before. Yeah. My division manager, his son-in-law, is Tim Miza, pitches for the Blue Jays, and I got to go to the game with him. We, I actually sat with the Blue Jays family of the players. It was neat because Dante Bichette, Bo's dad, was sitting exactly two rows ahead of us. I actually... Looked at the highlight on two uh, from that game, and whenever he hit a single right there in the gap, it showed us all sitting there right in front of Bo Bichette. It was or Dante, right there. It was pretty neat. It was a fun experience. But Bo, he's an impressive, impressive hitter. And you had seen him in double, in single A, right? Yeah, in low A. Yeah, when he was in Midwest League with Vlad, I saw him. It was May of two years ago, so it was yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah, two May of two thousand seventeen. I saw it. And while we're at it, before we move on, I got to see hit Vladimir Guerrero hit a grand slam that went a mile. <laughs> it was beautiful. Okay. Uh, we're going to, there were a lot of players that went on the injured list this week. I'm just going to list them off and we may touch on a couple of them here. Hyunjin Ryu was put on the aisle with neck stiffness. Dustin May, he got the start on Friday. That was a nice deal there. At least he got to make his debut. Danny Salazar returned for the first time since the 2017 playoffs on Thursday, and he's already back on the injured list with a groin injury. Jamison Tyon, he's done for the year. He's having a strained flexor tendon in his right elbow repaired. He's going to be out for seven months, so not only is he out for the rest of this year, but he may not be back till May, they're saying, so he won't be ready for the start of the year, it sounds like. Moncada's on the aisle with hamstring tightness. Luke Voigt, he's on the injured list with a sports hernia out six weeks. Ramon Laureano, that was a guy who I've been wanting to talk about because we 
did not talk about him when we covered the AL West much, but he's going on the injured list with a stress reaction in his right shin after having a really hot last couple months and having a great season. And David Dahl, he's on the injured list with an ankle injury after hurting himself yesterday. At, I think he was carted off, so that's not looking good. I don't think I've heard an update on how long he's out. And Blake Snell is out till mid-September after having loose bodies removed from his left elbow. Andrew, we don't have to cover all these, but the one I want to talk about is the first one, and that's Ryu. First off, I'm always skeptical of Dodger injuries, and I feel this is their way of preserving pre- preserving pitchers from getting hurt and you know t- taking advantage of the injured list 10-day, and that's fine. But the interesting thing is Dustin May was called up to start in his place, and May's been real, had a real good season between AA and AAA, 3.38 ERA with 110 strikeouts and 106 innings. Uh, he did okay in his start last night. I think he gave up some runs late. My question for you, do you think he can stick around in that loaded rotation? Can he? Probably. Will he? I doubt it. And I only say that because it's the Dodgers, you know? I mean, yeah, it's pretty clear that they do everything they can to take care of these guys. And I mean, I I won't be surprised if he starts the rest of the year. His innings are, I think he threw 130 last year. And I don't have in front of me where he's at this year, but he's below that. Uh, 106 before last night. So I think he can go for a little bit, you know, and, but they're going to want to have him ready for the playoffs too. And probably use him there. I don't know if they'll have him in the pen or the rotation, whatever, but, um, I mean, he could stick. Yeah. He's talented enough. It's just, I, uh, I'd be surprised if he started the rest of the year. Let me ask this question. How many other teams that are in the playoff race right now that may probably is not may that may is not in their top five rotation? I mean, the Dodgers, I agree with you. I don't think he is just because they have so many guys there. I don't think he'll stick in the rotation the rest of the year. I don't know if how many other organizations I would say that about right now. Well, I think he is in the top five talent wise. I mean, like how good he is, but. Um, that doesn't mean that he's going to pitch every fifth day from now until the end of September. Just because he, he doesn't have to. I mean, they're 16 games up. I, they can, they're going to get to a point in probably about a month, I would say, like early September, where I feel like everything with the Dodgers is going to be unpredictable because they – they're going to clinch so early and they just don't have, you know, they can rest guys, they can do whatever they want and, you know, predicting what they're going to actually do in that last month. It's, it's kind of rough. I, I don't really know. I mean, they, they can do whatever they want, so we'll see how they play it. Yeah, they can. I'm trying to load up roster resource right now. I'm trying to remember it's who such, their fourth and fifth starters are. It's such an advantage because, I mean, they're just so far ahead. They don't have to, they can, like I said, they can just do whatever they want. So, yeah. 
I wanted to bring up Salazar also. I heard reports. I didn't see a start on Thursday night. Did you watch that game? Parts of it, yeah. He looked bad. Yeah, I heard his velocity was like 85 or 87 there, with the fastball. There was a point, and I'll, I'll say this. I've always loved Danny Salazar. I've always yeah. rooted for him and wanted him because the potential is just there if he was ever healthy. It just is, but... Yeah, I, I was watching that game, and there was a stretch of about eight or nine consecutive pitches when I was watching. It may have been more than that. That They were all curveballs and change-ups. Nothing was a fastball. And when he did throw a fastball, it was like 87. It was kind of sad to watch, actually. That's scary. And you're right. I'm sad is a good word for it. And Yeah, it was not good. He's always been an elite arm. I took him in that dynasty startup in February just like, hey, I'll take a shot on this guy, elite arm. If he ever was to actually stay healthy and put it together, he could be an ace for a little while. Who knows if he could ever hold up for a full season again, but he's just got that potential if he could stay yeah. healthy. All right. Any of these other guys you want to cover? There are a bunch of other injuries here. Were you Tyon, Mancata, Voigt, Loriano, Dahl, Snell? It's just depressing, all of it, pretty much. That yeah. doll, the doll injury last night was nasty. It was really bad. I know Twi- you and I twisted his leg kind of out in the outfield, and it just. I guess uh, I think the um, MRI was negative. Okay, so that's that's good. But he looked t- bad. It was one of those where the ball rolled away, and he just laid there like that's uh-huh. how hurt he was. That's not and good. whenever, you know, he, he was making the play and then missed it and the ball's rolling and he's just laying on the ground, not going and getting the ball. And when that's going on, it's bad. And mm-hmm. they brought the card out. Yeah, it was ugly. What about Loriano? We, you know, we didn't talk about him with the AL West and I do want to cover him right now. Um, how, you know, you and I both had some reservations after that nice finish to 2018 i know we talked about that i don't know if we talked about it on this podcast but i'm pretty sure we talked about that in terms of not feeling sure about what he is and here we are 107 games in and he has 21 home runs 12 steals a 284 batting average Uh, those surface stats look incredible what are your kind of thoughts on him now after putting up this two this these numbers two-thirds of the way through I mean, he's been awesome. <laughs> there's no, there's no denying that. I mean, he's contributing across the board. I actually have him in one league. I, I don't really remember being too down on him. I, I feel like I was, he was kind of in that group of those mid to late round outfielders that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. I only, I just got him in one league, you know. But yeah, his defense and his arm. I mean, we all know about that. It's always going to keep him in the lineup. And yeah, he's come around as a hitter and he can run and, you know, there's just, there's a lot of tools there. So it's, uh, it's exciting. I feel like the A's don't have players like this that often, at least recently. And yeah, he's definitely, uh, definitely exciting. Yeah. I think anybody who hasn't seen Ramon Laureano play defense, it's something else. That guy's arm is just unbelievable just yeah. absolutely unbelievable. highlight reels. yeah 
And I told you when we covered the dime or the A's, I don't I watch them very rarely. I really don't get to see many of their games, so I haven't seen enough of those throws. But I've seen some highlights. I, I especially remember late last year. He just had some ridiculous throws that they were showing on ESPN and I was go getting on to look at the MLB at Bad App just to see them. They were it, yeah. it's special. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's get over to the trade deadline trades that happened this week. There's a bunch of them that are fantasy relevant that I'm just gonna we're gonna shoot down here. I think I've got let's see, twelve of them we're gonna at least talk about, and I've got them in chronological order. Starting off with Sergio Romo, he's been traded to the Twins, and it looks like he's their closer. Um, I was pretty surprised he was moved and kept in a closer gig. Not much to say concerning him to Minnesota, but any guesses here on who, who's closing for Miami? You got options like Jarlon Garcia, Jose Quijada. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. Teron Guerrero and Ryan Stanek, who's on the injured list, but could be back, should be back soon and was recently acquired. Uh, my best guess would be Stanek, I think, but it's pretty tough with a team like the Marlins and with these options, it could be anybody. Uh, I don't know if I agree that Sergio Romo's the closer in Minnesota. Oh, yeah? He got a save last night, but they've been messing with the closer role all year. I, I think Romo. I think Romo will get some saves, but he's I don't think he's the like the deflat the de facto closer or anything like that. Wait and see then on that one. Yeah. So in other words, Romo's probably owned because he was closing in Miami, but yeah, if he's I, out there, you're not going out you're not blowing your fab on him. Well, I don't think he's probably been dropped. <clears throat> I yeah. mean He's because probably whoever had, him. yeah, whoever had him is just probably a wait and see thing, you know. And I, th- I do think he'll get some saves. I just, I don't think he'll get all of them. I guess it's okay. the best way I can put it. Okay. Moving on, the Mets, who were rumored to be sellers at the deadline, held on to Edwin Diaz. They held on to Zach Wheeler. They held on to Noah Syndergaard, and traded for Marcus Stroman. What on earth are they doing? No idea. I have no idea what the Mets are doing. I don't even know in my head if that's a bad trade or a good trade. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of people that are ripping on the Mets for making that trade, and there's a lot of people who are like, these prospects that the Jays got back are not that good, which mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with. I mean, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods-Richardson, I mean, they – They could be okay, I guess, but it's not like they're huge pieces either. I, I, uh, I don't know. I I feel like it's just a whatever type deal. I, I don't know if I agree too much with the harsh criticism of either team, but it's fun to pick on the Mets. So we just do it anyways. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, they made their splashes this offseason to go for it. It hasn't worked out this year. I've And I've talked about the comparison before, like the Padres, whenever they went for it in 2015 when Preller came in and it didn't work out that year and he blew everything up and had a real deep farm system. 
I don't know. I, I think they should have traded Wheeler. I think they at least want Wheeler or Syndergaard, probably Wheeler. I mean, it goes back to kind of same thing. You could trade Zach Wheeler when you're not competing this year because where are they at in the standings? They're not too close, they're are in, they? They're in fourth, and they're not, they're not going anywhere. Okay, so if that's the case, you could trade a Zach Wheeler. They could have gotten some decent pieces back for him, I believe, even as a rental, two-month rental. And they could have went on and signed him in two months. I I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really strange. They they um like you said, I I don't really know what they're doing. But that said, they're I I just feel like the guys they gave up for Strowman, it, it they could turn into nothing. So agreed. It may just be nothing trade. Like, like Stroman pitches for the Mets for a couple of months, and then they don't make the playoffs, and those guys never pan out. I I could easily see that, you know. So, yeah, I could also see Stroman being terrible still, and because he's been pretty bad this for the last couple of months, if I recall right. Yeah, he and he I don't know made, made his first start tonight, and he pitched pretty bad. Did he? Yeah. When Didn't you met? Didn't even get through the fifth. I I wouldn't have made that trade. I just it's not for me. I do agree that they didn't give up impact players, and I'll give them that. But they're still arms, and you never know. One of them could end up being something. They may yeah. both neither be anything. And I'd rather, when you're not competing, be holding on to those guys and buying guys who pitchers who look like they're declining, whose skills yeah. are getting worse. No, I think that's, that's that's fair. That's totally fair. I get it. And I'm going to skip down ahead to number nine on this list of trades because it kind of goes along with the same theme, and then we'll move back up. And that was the Giants acquiring Scooter Jeanette and cash from Cincinnati for a player to be named later. So instead of selling Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith, here we are, and the Giants are buying. <laughs> oh, I feel like we've gone over this so many times, not necessarily here on the podcast, but yeah, I I don't get it. I uh, I've been told by people closer to the Giants than me that this is what they do. Uh, they just refuse to completely rebuild, and that's fine. I mean, they are technically in the race. They're like three and a half games, I think it was last I looked, out of the wild card, which. You know, you could argue, you could say that's in range. It is in range, but it's multiple teams they have to hurdle, and they're just—I mean, just look at the team. They're just not that good. I—I I don't know what else to say. If they make the playoffs, I will be the first to admit I'm wrong. I don't see it. You know, pro- I listen to Prospect Three Sixty One podcast. I know you listen to most of them. Also, good friends with Tim McLeod, Rich Wilson. And uh, I asked on their last podcast, and they asked a question on it, if you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants, would you think of this winning streak to get them back in the playoff window here as a good thing or bad thing? And they both agreed it was a bad thing. And it's for this exact reason. This has caused their fans to not want to move these guys because they have a chance. It's the... 
mindset of that area. I'm not going to say all fans are that way. I don't like to lump fans together, but people who are local are saying fans would throw a temper tantrum if, if uh, Madison Bumgarner was traded for an 18 year old and or young guys. Yeah. Young guys, they, young guys that weren't the face of the franchise. I mean, Madison Baumgartner's clearly the face of the franchise and has done so much for them, you know. Uh, my opinion on it is just, well, what does that matter going forward? Other than, I guess you could argue with ticket sales, but, um, you know, if you can get something, in my opinion, it's just better to get something than to get nothing. Mm-hmm. And if they... You know they can always resign him, but they could yes. resign him. They could resign him if they traded him too. It's the yes. same. It's like, it's like the Chapman thing back when they traded, the Yankees traded Chapman for Glaber Torres, and then they just signed him right after. You know, he was on the Cubs for two months or whatever. So it kind of similar to that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like there's an attachment there that. They don't want to let go of. I mean, it seems pretty clear that that's what it is. And I'm very confident the Giants aren't going to make the playoffs and they won't have traded these guys that they should have. But maybe I'll be wrong. Let me ask you this. You, we, I mean, we don't know Madison Bumgarner personally, but given how close he's been to the organization, if ownership, the GM, came up and said, hey, man, we're not contending. Actually, Maybe it would take them off just because they're close, but we're going to move you. We're going to give you a shot to go play for a contender. We're going to, because while we may have a shot, odds are just, it's tough. We're trying to rebuild for the future. We're going to move you, but we want to bring you back this winter. Just know that we want to bring you back. Do you think he's really going to hold it against them in negotiations? I have no idea. I wouldn't think so. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that kind of thing. It's probably a case by case basis that I really have no idea. It's hard to know for sure, but if the Giants are aggressive and they're the ones that are out there going after him and they're offering the most, or maybe they're offering just as much as somebody else, he's going to stay. I believe he's going to stay in that organization. I just yeah, think. yeah. If they're offering the most, I mean, potentially, or even yeah. Right there, matching somebody. I believe he's going to stay. Just because he's won three World Series there, and he's got ties to the organization too. I, stuff like that frustrates me, but it's not my organization. I guess I shouldn't care. Yeah, I get it. Okay, well, let's move back into the timeline and talk about the big trade on Tuesday night. While I was at that Royals game, there was a big trade going on. The Cincinnati Reds acquired Trevor Bauer in a three-team trade. The Indians got back Fran Reyes pitcher Logan Allen and Victor Nova and the Padres got Taylor Trammell from the Reds uh, quite a lot of moving parts here and it seems like I'm hearing a lot of people happy for each a lot of different sides here Andrew who do you like this trade most for and le- and if there's somebody you like at least for who's that did you say Puig too I didn't even mention him there I didn't even get yeah, him in the notes say. but yeah, the yeah Indians, I, I missed that's a major piece yeah little bit yeah uh i think i like it i've thought about this one a lot because it was the day before and there wasn't really as much going on as there was on the actual deadline i 
I think I like it for Cleveland the most. Uh, you can certainly make the argument that it's good for the Reds. They need pitching. Bauer is a stud, and they'll have him next season, which is good. I mean, it's it's a play for 2020 on their part, you know. Uh, I still don't think the Reds are there <laughs> as far as doing anything really relevant. I mean, maybe next season they'll shock me, I guess. But I, I just don't really believe it. And um, as far as the Padres go, I've heard several people uh, kind of trash the Padres side of this deal. And I kind of get it. I mean, they got one prospect that is, you know, he's exciting, but they gave up stuff too. I, it's tough. I, I feel like that the Padres could, it could look great, you know, if Tramel's the real deal, but uh, it's, it's tough to doubt Preller. As much as you know, I wonder about that angle of it too. I I think in the back of my mind, like how many good moves Preller's made, and there's probably something that he sees or that somebody he trusts sees in Taylor Trammell that we don't even know. You know, so it's hard for me to really. Uh, criticize them lately the way that they've revamped that entire organization that said on the surface i i think that for now at least they got the short end and i don't even hate it for them for one for this reason it kind of reminds me of like a fantasy trade in terms of they've got so much depth in that organization that they made a trade that yeah we're giving up probably more than we are getting back but we're getting a guy who has more upside than anybody else. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. They can, and Fran they can Mill, afford to do it. Fran Mill as good as he is. I mean, he's a masher proven masher at this point. He is a DH, you yes. know, and it's, um, Tremel's not the best defensive outfielder, but he's better than Fran Mill Reyes. So mm-hmm. I like it for I, all three I, sides. I find yeah. it interesting. I really yeah, do. I do. I do too. I, I, the more I've thought about it, I do too. I still don't think it gets the Reds to where they think it gets them, but that's a whole nother discussion, I guess. That's going to be interesting for them. A Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, top three. I mean, that's going to be, that's, if I was a Reds fan, I would be excited about that. I think that's a, and obviously you're not saying you not to be. You're just not no, sure if yeah. it'll get them over the top. But yeah, it's definitely exciting. I think it could. I think it could. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Tampa took Jesus Aguilar off the Milwaukee's hands, and he immediately supplanted Nate Lowe for the first base gig, who was then optioned to AAA despite being the player of the week a couple weeks ago. What are your thoughts on this one in terms of Aguilar and Lowe? I'll just let you rant about Lowe getting sent down because that's all that we need to talk about here. You know, the guy absolutely rakes and he gets sent down to the minors for a guy who's been absolutely awful this year. And 
Yeah, he's been better the last month or two as the Brewers have mostly been playing him against lefties. Maybe he'll get it together and be fine, but Nate Lowe is playing really well and like an all-star. Even whenever they would get the occasional start versus the lefty, he wasn't putting up bad stats even then. He's a better, he's a good hitter who's young, who's ready. It's time to get this guy up, and they're taking him out for Jesus Aguilar, who looks like he's a short side platoon guy when the Rays have plenty of right-handed hitters who can come in and be that short side platoon guy already. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Rant, I, rant over. I, <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, that, that was, it is kind of annoying. I mean, you're a little more invested in him than me, I think, but it's still, yes. it is, it is annoying. It's just, but that said, I think, uh, I think Aguilar is a better fit in, um, in Tampa. I, I actually kind of liked that trade too. Uh, Milwaukee getting uh, Jake Feria. I think that's good for them as well. Yes, Aguilar just doesn't fit on their team, and yes. they have so they have so much of a clog in the infield. And yeah, it's just I thought that was a pretty uh, good trade on both sides. It just I guess the big thing they're saying is it just shouldn't come at Lowe's expense. But do you know who else had a clog at the infield specifically first base? Do you know Rockies. Andrew? Rockies? No, the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I, thought that, I thought that was turning into a Rockies joke. No, but the Rockies, yeah. There's no, I have no Rockies joke to make right now. <laughs> this is, yeah, that's a that's a whole other story, and I think we've bashed that organization enough. Now I'm going yeah. to bash the Rays for this. Nate Lowe, the possible, look, I think he's a future all-star first baseman, and getting toyed around with for Jesus Aguilar. All right. I want to, I want to take this next one. Cause I want to hear your input first. Okay. Arizona trades jazz Chisholm to Miami for Zach gallon. This is a trade. We're seeing people like different sides. What do you think? I think it's, I like it for both sides. This is one I like for both sides. I think Good for Miami. They've got an organization with a lot of arms. They need some upside bats. And Jazz is not having a great year in terms of the strikeout rate. He's not progressing in terms of the approach. But if he figures it out, he has elite upside. And Zach Gallen, good pitcher, having a great year. Improved his stock incredibly this year. But I'm not sure he's got... I'm not convinced he's got the upside of being a one or maybe even a two he might be a two but I, I think i still look at him as more of a three four a solid three or four but i feel safer with gallon and he's going to arizona they've got they've got some bats i i think they've got more bats than arms coming up so i get it for them i think i would rather have jazz if i wasn't still in or in the looking at each of these, I think I'd rather have jazz and shoot for that upside, but in the major leagues, having a major league caliber pitcher like gallon, I get, especially with when they were giving up Grinky, kind of slides right into that role. So I don't really hate it for either side. What are your thoughts? I, uh, it's tough for me. I, 
I agree. I don't hate it for either side. Uh, this to me is very different than like a fa- in a fantasy league because I own Jazz Chisholm in a couple spots and I probably wouldn't trade him for Zach Gallon. Um, that said, I don't know if Miami did the right thing here. And I mostly just say that because Gallon is in the major leagues. He's been pretty good. At what point does Miami stop going backwards? You know, it's like Chisholm's in double A. He hasn't had the greatest year. Does he have more upside? Probably. But Gallon is already in the majors and producing and Chisholm's floor, whatever you want to say about his ceiling, his floor is not even getting to the big leagues. Most definitely. So, yeah, I, and also keep in mind, you know, obviously MLB, you're looking at a 30-team league as opposed to, you know, a lot of these dynasty <laughs> leagues and a lot of these dynasty leagues and stuff we play in, it's a 15-team league. It's just it's a totally different scenario than in a fantasy league. It just mm-hmm. is. And I'm a big Jazz Chisholm fan, but I don't know if I agree with this one. I just I just feel like Miami just goes backwards and goes backwards and goes backwards. And I think they had a good thing with Gallon. Will they with Chisholm? Maybe. But it'll probably be at least a year or two until they even find out. And I think there is a chance that he doesn't ever get there too. So it's, and I it's, think it's it was, tough. It's tough. I, th- I kind of look at it as a red flag that Arizona, who is not contending right now is trading jazz Chisholm away for a pitcher when they're not contending a major league pitcher. It's like pitchers are, are they- pretty pitchers are pretty valuable though. In real life. That's yes. the thing is, like I think Gallon, I think you're underselling Gallon a little bit. I, I mean, he's young, he's good, and he's in the majors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a there's a lot of value there to me. Mm-hmm. Then, but we'll see. I mean, I do obviously if they both hit their their absolute ceiling. I mean, nobody, you know, Miami's going to win the trade. It's just, uh, I mean, you would think it, unless Gallon becomes an ace or something, but. I don't really foresee that, but I, I do think he's a good pitcher and yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't hate it for either side. I will say that. You know what? I did not know until right now that Zach Gallon was in the Cardinals organization. He yeah. Was he part was part of that Ozuna trade. Ozuna trade. Yep. <laughs> yep. Missed that. Huh? Well, that's depressing. But I guess Ozuna has been pretty good, so I shouldn't be upset. He's had a good year this year. Yeah, no reason to be upset about that one. Okay, well, moving on with Miami. They traded Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson away for Ryan Stanek and Jesus Sanchez. Really, the big one here is Sanchez. I find it surprising that Tampa was willing to trade a bat like that right now. What are your thoughts on this? Um... Not too many thoughts. I think Stanek could close potentially in Miami. Uh, Sanchez, probably the guy I'd want out of this trade, but 
I don't really know if Sanchez was breaking into the Tampa outfield anytime soon, and that's probably what was on their mind. So I, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't mind. It's kind of a whatever trade. Sanchez could, I mean, there's a better chance that he'll break into the uh, Miami outfield than Tampa's. So, yeah, good for Miami for getting him for a couple pitchers. Again, giving up some arms, which they've got a lot of them in that organization, and getting themselves some young bats. It's yeah. kind of like we talk about with rebuilding fantasy teams. You want to have bats. And they seem to have a lot of arms, which is harder to count on now. In the majors, you need a lot of arms. But I like that deal. I mean, again, they're getting another bat that has some upside there. Yeah. Uh, Houston traded Derek Fisher to Toronto for Aaron Sanchez, Joe Biagini, and Cal Stevenson. The interesting thing here is anytime Houston trades for an arm, because it seems like they've got the magic touch with pitchers anymore, Will they fix Sanchez? Does he get more of an interesting all of a sudden, given Houston's track record here? <laughs> did you uh, did you see what happened tonight? I did. Yes, I did. I don't know if the no hitter was completed. Was it? It it was. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron Sanchez, I've got it here in front of me. Six six no hit innings. Why he didn't go longer, I don't know. I don't have his pitch count in front of me. Um, and then Will Harris pitched the seventh. Joe Biagini pitched the eighth. And Davinsky pitched the ninth. No hitter. Combined no hitter. So it's just kind of wow. funny. Yeah, it's just funny. It It's so Astros. Like, this is just Aaron Sanchez has been garbage all year. Goes to Houston and sticks no hit innings. Totally hilarious. Ninety-two pitches in six innings, and they yanked him. (laughs) Yeah, they probably didn't want to. He's had some health issues. Maybe they just didn't want him going any longer. But they knew he wasn't going to finish it. You know, so what's the difference? But I I love what our friend Tim McLeod said. I saw a post on Baseball Three Sixty Five where he said, "I wonder if Sportsnet Five Ninety, the fan, is covering this game tonight." Yeah. that's the Toronto radio station up there. Just so, yeah. for those that don't know. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that too. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Do you think they can are, – are you more interested in Sanchez now that he's on the Houston – that Houston targeted him? Do you think that yes. raises his stock? Yes. Agreed. Yeah, I do. I just I believe that they be, know what uh, they're doing. Yeah, I think he could be solid the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he's in Houston's rotation, obviously pitched good tonight. I mean, you kind of just, it's a start-to-start start thing here for a little bit. I mean, it could be inconsistent, wouldn't surprise me at all. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised either if he's better than he was in Toronto. And on the other side, I like Derek Fisher going to Toronto. Should be able to get an easier path to playing time and get a shot yeah. now as compared to Houston no where he's whatever, fifth or sixth on their depth chart in the outfield. Yep. So uh, good for I'm him too. Okay. Uh, we talked about Scooter Jeanette. So next up, uh, I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Cubs acquired Nicholas Castellanos in cash for two prospect pitchers I haven't heard of. Andrew, you're a Cubs fan. 
And I love this deal because I've, we've talked many times, I think privately, about how you think Nicholas Castellanos is pretty overvalued. This is a nice bat to bring in, but it's still pretty darn funny to me. Go ahead. Yeah, it's def- yeah, it's it's definitely hilarious. Um, I remember getting the alert about a couple weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago, when uh, they were talking to or you know starting to talk about it, and I just remember looking down at my phone and laughing and everything. Just for the record, every everything I've ever said about Castellanos, it's strictly a fantasy angle and where he is drafted versus what he does. I feel like his production fantasy is pretty replaceable. That said, the Cubs didn't give up anything for him. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with this. It's totally cool, and I hope he does well. I mean, he's a good hitter, you know. It's just it's more of just a, a fantasy thing when I talk about that stuff. But, yeah, definitely hilarious and when I saw that alert first time, week and a half, two weeks ago, I was like, it's definitely going to happen now. <laughs> just, it's just too funny. Too funny. Yes, it's great. So, as a Cubs fan, um, I'm trying to think of their outfield in terms of you got Schwarber and left. Hayward's been floating around between center and right. Almora's out there. Am I, who, uh, has Brian been getting more games at third base or the outfield? Third base. Um, they had, the other night, they had Schwarber and Castellanos out there. Oh, poor um, Jason. Or oh, poor whoever the center fielder was. It was Hayward, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Hayward. Or that night it was Hayward, yeah. It was Schwarber and Castellanos with Hayward in center. They need to, to trade today, for Billy today they had Castellanos in left, Almora in center, and Hayward in right. So it, it'll kind of fluctuate by the day. But um, any day where they have Schwarber and Castellanos <laughs> in the outfield together, it's going to be, I mean, it's potentially rough. They're both pretty bad outfielders, but pretty good hitters. So Trade for Billy it's Hamilton. Like, Right Take now. the good with the bad. <laughs> they need some guys who can cover some ground if they uh, in center field if the, if those two are out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, then we got Shane Green, who was sent from the Tigers to Atlanta, and Mark Melanson was sent there also from the Giants, and it looks like they're saying Shane Green's going to be the closer. Not much to add there. I think anybody who has Shane Green has been worried about him getting traded to a team and becoming a setup guy, so they've got to feel pretty pumped right now. But the fantasy impact really is goes to Joe Jimenez. I think he's going to finally get the closer shot after being the closer and waiting, I think, since the Clinton administration. He's finally getting a shot here. <laughs> Let's. I, he's been pretty rough this year. I, I'm hoping he can get this gig. I know I made the mistake of drafting closers and waiting in both dynasty leagues that I did a few years ago, and I have him in as shares still. So I'm hoping he can right this ship. But I'm not feeling overly optimistic in terms of how I felt about a year or two a year or two ago. Well, to get a save, you have to win a game. And the Tigers, I don't know if you, 
I don't know if you've seen the standings, but they have five fewer wins than the Orioles. Yeah. That's incredible. Ten fewer wins than the Marlins. Uh, They are unbelievably horrible. So, I mean, obviously there will still be some save opportunities, and I don't generally, generally speaking, I don't care about whether my closer is on a good team or bad team, it's they all wind up getting saves, but God, they really are so bad that I don't know how many saves he's even going to get. They're actually four, four in the ninth right now. And they're on the road. So if they take the lead, he might get a shot. He hasn't came in yet. Taking the lead though. Yeah. It does require them taking the lead. I'm trying to pull Uh, it up right now. uh, One other, one other thing I wanted to mention Early on, about you know, forty-five minutes ago, when we started recording, a little more than that, maybe Shane Green blew the save. Oh, with Atlanta. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if that was his. Has he had an appearance before that with them? Was this his well, first? One? I'm. I've got his game log right here in front of me. August. No, that was his first game for the Braves. Yeah, that was his first yeah. game since coming over. He came. It was four to three. And he came in in the top of the ninth and gave up a few hits, and they tied it. They, Braves ended up winning in the tenth, but um, yeah, he blew this blew the save. So one inning, three hits, one walk, one run allowed. I think that's pretty fluid. Uh, I mean, the Braves are a good enough team. I don't think they'll put up with him blowing saves repeatedly like the Tigers may have. You know, I mean, when you're as bad as the Tigers, it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, they may give him another shot. If he blows another one, they could go back. I mean, Jackson struck out the side in order the following inning. So So. he was really good in Detroit. And I'm looking at his page. I really hadn't followed him closely. 1.38 ERA whip at 0.94. And I knew he had a lot of saves early in the year. And when I saw that Tigers had 32 wins, I, that's why I pulled up his page while you were talking. I'm like, how many saves does he have? Because I knew he got a lot early on. And of those 32 wins for the Tigers, he has 22 saves. <laughs> that's, that's a nuts. pretty high percentage right there. Yeah, it's really high. And finally, at the trade deadline buzzer, Houston gets Zach Greinke and Cash from Arizona, and Houston gives up Corbin Martin, Seth Beer, J.B. Bukowskis, and Josh Rojas. Arizona's sending over $24 million. That's how much they're sending from that deal. I think there's two-plus years left. So Houston's on the books for two-plus years and $53 million, which is a lot better than what Arizona was paying him. That's cost-effective right there. I kind of feel like this is a win-win for both clubs, Andrew. What do you think? Man, it is. uh, Talk about filling a need. My God. Yep. Verlander, Cole, and Granke. Good luck, American uh, League. Yeah, that is absolutely on fire. I, I can't. I couldn't believe this one when I saw it. I just. It's it, yeah. I don't hate it for Arizona at all. I mean, they Granky's older, and you know, you never know how long it's going to last. But uh, they got some good, you know, they got some good young guys. 
Um, but yeah, it's like Houston getting Zach Granke just feels so unfair. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And they didn't even give up Kyle Tucker. You know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I was hearing rumors a week ago that the as the Houston was talking with with the Mets about Cindergard, and they were talking to the Tigers about Matt Boyd, that they didn't really want to give up Tucker. And I really thought that was just team speak. People using the media trying to trying to see if they can get out of doing it, but they didn't move him. They went another route and they got Grinky and managed to give up a lot of their depth instead of giving up their prized outfielder, who many were thinking they were down on. Kind of interesting to see them hold on to him here. Yeah, and Houston giving up these guys. I I think it's it's weird. It's a weird one because Arizona. I think these guys can help Arizona. Yep, but. These guys were just depth on Houston. Yep. You know, it was all—it's almost like all these guys are just so expendable with how good they are that it's—it's it's not even going to phase them. And they have their game three starter in every series in the playoffs that you could probably use as the game one starter, and it wouldn't even matter. You know, three aces. I mean, that's what they have. Here you are with the Twins, the Yankees, the Red Sox. All three teams really looking like they could use impact pitching. None of them go out and get an impact arm. And the Astros, the most loaded organization, all uh, they get their arm. Yeah. I think if I was a fan of either of those other three teams, I'd be pretty ticked off right now. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I I could not believe that... Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler, Noah Syndergaard, Robbie Ray, and Matt Boyd all were not traded. It was yeah. just – and then Granky was. When you never heard anything about Granky, it's, you know, really until the very end being moved. <laughs> it just wasn't, wasn't like he was being talked about. So some of this stuff is – it's kind of hard to uh, project and predict, you know, what's going to happen. People think that they, this guy or that guy is going to get moved, and then they don't. The second wild card has changed a lot. A lot of these teams, I feel like, think they're competing. And I don't know. Do you think it would be more interesting if they moved the deadline back to, like, August 15th or something? It's a good idea, especially since they've done away with the waiver, the, the second yeah. trading period. Yeah. It's a good idea. I've wondered that. I, I'm not saying for sure, but it just feels a little early. I feel yeah. like in two weeks, two to three weeks, there could be more action. More teams would be out of it. and I don't know. I think just you, some, I think even I an August about. 31st one would be kind of fun because you have the call-ups from the minors September 1st. Just go on and make them both right there and within 24 hours of each other. Yeah, Maybe yeah, it's a, something like that. I think that's a good. I had never really thought about that, but I I like the idea of moving it back as you as I hear you say that and thinking about it. Makes sense. Yeah, just the way just the way it is right now. It's it's so many teams are. There's only there. I mean, how many teams are actually 
legit out of it. There's not a lot. In the American League, a lot more than the National League. That's the Yeah, yeah. But Ooh. I I think even I think even some of the teams that we say are out of it, you could look at it, squint and say, ah, oh, they could make a run. You know, yeah, just, the there's so the many angels. Right, right. And and we know probably they're not going to most of those teams, but they're you know, if you're sitting there five games out of a wild card with two months left, I mean, anything can happen. Six back, even. I mean, seven. I mean, I don't know where it stops, but there's you can you can think of that up. It's like two months. I mean, that's a lot of time. So, just something I've thought of, wondered. You know, going back to my question, if I was a fan of the Red Sox, I wouldn't be as upset because I know that my team has a two hundred and forty million dollar payroll. And no farm system, hard a, a very bare one. I could get why they can't add payroll, make any big impact trades for pitching. But if I was a fan of the Yankees or Twins, I'd be ticked. I hear the Yankees. A lot of people were asking for Debbie Garcia, their small pitcher that's yeah. got an electric arm, and they didn't want to move him. If there's truth to that, and that's why they wouldn't make a move, shame on them. I I in a farm yeah, system that's, that's deep. That's the dumbest I, thing ever. In if my that's opinion. true. Yeah. If, if yeah, that's if true, true, that's dumb. It's crazy. And twins, you know, you've got two prospects there that are carry a lot of value and you've got a lot of other good farm system pieces. I I think and the Indians nipping at your heels, they needed to get another arm and they didn't. I'd be I think I'd be most upset with them just because right. they have somebody on their heels as compared to the Yankees who are at least with an eight game lead. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Okay, Andrew. Well, that closes up, wraps up all the news from the trades and the news from this past week. And we're going to try to get back here maybe in about a week and a half. I'm going to be out of town all next week. And even next weekend, I think I'm going to be occupied. So we're going to try early the following week in about a week and a half to get together and we talked about this before, but next podcast, we're going to get this, do this dynasty startup. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to get one in here, but going through the divisions and uh, wanted to get one in here where it was just kind of news and the, the uh, trade deadline. So we'll get that. Like you said, probably week, week and a half. So be fun. I'm excited. We're talking about a couple different people to get on here. We'll, different options we may get one person to join us we may get two we'll see on that but we'll also see how long we take talking about it we may turn it into two shows we may make one out of it it just depends on how long-winded we get but i'm looking forward to doing this and really breaking this down i think i know i've got some interesting questions to ask as we go over a couple of these players i'm looking forward to it yeah it'll be it'll be fun Want to hear? Uh, want to hear a good stat line? Let's hear it. Walker Bueller just struck out Eric Hosmer to end the game. Complete game. Nine innings, six hits, one run, no walks, fifteen Ks. That's kind of good. Based, <laughs> man. <laughs> 
man, that so guy. Good, man, he is so good. Oh my god. Yeah, ridiculous. He is incredible. He I is. mean, he made you should have seen how bad he made Manny look there in the ninth. I've I've had it on. I'm just watching it while we're recording, and it's just ridiculous, man. Guy is so good. He may be my number two dynasty starter at this point. Yeah, he's my one. He is your one. But ahead I think, of, I didn't yeah. remember that. Yeah, I think Cole and him are. Yeah, one, that's one the two. A, one A, one B. Yeah, that's the two. Wow! And did you see Nelson Cruz hit a another third? Three home yeah, runs? Three second homers. time in ten days. I know. He has been on. <laughs> he has been on a rampage too, man. It's good crazy. for him. Yeah, Twins are just passion home runs like n- never before for them. Good yeah. for them. Their whole lineup. Yep. Oh, yep. It's crazy. Good it's stuff. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add, plug before we get out of here? No, no, not that I, uh, not that I can think of. I'm looking Be forward to this. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about Christian Robinson tomorrow. Hopefully, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Like I said, I I think I'm gonna go. I just just want to make sure the weather holds off. But I um I've been saying as soon as they promote him, I mean, we've been talking about it and he's in the, the level right below. And I just, I felt it kind of coming, but I didn't know, you know, there's only a month left in the minor league season. It ends at the end of August, basically. And, um, I remember saying, cause they're the all-star game for the league that he was in is on Tuesday. So I'm a little surprised they did it, but maybe at those levels, they just don't care. And I don't know, but yeah. Um, probably see him tomorrow. So, well, I hope I remember. We can talk about that whenever we get back here next week. All That'd right, be, be fun. Well, we appreciate you all tuning in. We'll be back in a little while, and take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.